we find ourselves in this series, Sustained Living. And we've been talking about a number of facets about what that looks like. Like so many of you, I want to be back to normal. This has almost been a year, we're coming up on a year in just a month of the global pandemic and all the havoc it's caused on our normal society. And so we've talked about uh, our time, we've talked about the stuff that we accumulate. Last week we talked about money and how we spend it. This morning we're going to talk for briefly about friendship. And, and friends, we could go on and on about this topic because there is so much within our Christian tradition about what does it mean to be a friend to others. And we could do an entire series on it. So there's, given that there's so much to do, there's only one facet that we're going to talk about today, and, and we're going to save the rest for another time. There, there's a book, and I'm sure I've quoted this to you guys before, or to you all before, and it's from uh, Frederick Buchner's book, Godric. And in the book, it's a, it's a fictional story about a life of a saint. And there's a one quote that stands out to me is, what is friendship but the giving and taking of wounds? What is friendship but the giving and taking of wounds? I'm going to start with that, but before I get there, friendship nowadays is a word that's thrown out in all sorts of contexts, right? And it's a really actually kind of a vague term if you think about it. I just said, hey, friends, even though I don't know exactly who I'm even talking to right now, I know some of us, and I know some of the friends that are out there participating with our worship. And so we might just refer to someone as a friend. We might just think of acquaintances as friends. You know, on Facebook, we accumulate as many friends as, as possible with like hundreds that you might get on your Facebook page. And so what a friend is, is a true question for us during this time. Even before the global pandemic, uh, the Pope, Pope Francis, talked about how loneliness is one of the greatest epidemics throughout the world. That so many people are lonely, even in a time when there's so much more to connect us in this information era. I can follow up with my friends from high school and grade school and college, like a time that we were never able to in the past. I remember a time when Facebook was called The Facebook, and you had to be able to have a college uh, email account in order to be part of that. And it was just this interesting world that opened up to us to be able to connect from people from high school that were in college as well, because you could you know, look people up by their names. And it was just this world. I was just fascinated to see what people were doing with their lives. And of course, nowadays... We know way more about people's lives with the stories and everything else that's going on. And regardless of the age demographic, we're able to call people without having to get, you know, those expensive calling cards with nationwide free calls. I remember trying to tell youth uh, a couple years ago what it was like to have nights and weekends on your cell phone plan. Remember that? <laughs> that you had to be judicial about how much calls you took up during the day because it was only nights and weekends that you could actually call people without getting charged a minute allotment that you had. And so you'd save your time to be able to talk to people. Or the time when each text message cost you a certain amount of money. I can't even imagine. I remember thinking, oh yeah, 50 text messages a week, no problem. That's all I would ever need, right? <laughs> I don't even know if that would make me through a day sometimes. We're so connected 
and our friendships are, are looking so much different than they have in the past. But then at the same time, so many of us still feel lonely in our lives. And so many of us long for friendship. I was looking back on a sermon of past on friendship at a different church in North Carolina, and I was fascinated by my approach to it because it was totally different than the world that we find ourselves in now. I talked about how we have to be close, physically close to each other to really develop friendships because in this world of online everything, back then I said that in 2013, this world of online everything, you have to be physically around a table to really grow as a friend. And I think there's value to that, but I think we've also learned during this pandemic how to maintain and grow friendships, even if it's digital. And so I'm not really sure those words apply as concretely as they do to us today. But one of those phrases in Jesus' conversation to the disciples that stood out to me was abide in me. Abide in me so that you might love one another. And as we move into a sense of being able to hang out with groups and being able to go meet with our friends that we've been unable to meet with, I wonder for a minute what we might learn from those words of Jesus. Abide in me. I was reading a theologian, Stanley Hauerwas, in preparation for the sermon, and he was quoting Aristotle, who speaks at length about friendship and the virtue of friendship. And interestingly, one of the things that I think we often look for in friends is look for some sort of similarities or, or something in that person that like sparks joy in us. And, you know, we try to find that perfect friend in our life that perhaps is just like us or has enough uh, affiliation to us that we can spend significant amount of time with that person. And so we, you know, search for it like a treasure to be found because that's really true friendship is so valuable to our lives. In fact, one might argue one of the basic fundamental components of what it means to be human is to be a friend to another. But what Aristotle talks about is that friendship is not a treasure to be found. It's not a, a virtue to develop. Friendship is the virtue and friendship is a process. That it's not about finding the perfect person to which to call friend. It's about the process of friendship. Over the past week, I have spent way too much time on conference calls. Stephanie, our office admin, can attest to that because she knows I was there. And one of the things I was doing is I'm on the Board of Ordained Ministries, which is the board for our region of the United Methodist Church that helps people along through the ordination process. Mirrored alongside the development of, you know, getting your MD or getting your law degree, uh, you find yourself, if you are pursuing ordination in the United Methodist Church before a board, that asks you a series of questions based on papers that you've written. I had the privilege of walking aside along candidates and listening to their 
practice of ministry and Christian life that they live. And one of the things that we ask them to talk about is we want them for a minute to reflect on their strengths, but also their weaknesses. And the reason why I'm, I'm telling you this within the context of friendship is because one of the assumptions that we have as we go out and look for friends, right, is that we need to be perfect already. You know, that we need to be good. You know, we try to hide our flaws from the people that are our friends so that they can get to know us without judging us and so that we can, you know, be better friends in the long term. And we all do that, right? kind of have that mask of the portrayal of what we want them to see. But what we really ask those candidates for ministry is, how do you acknowledge and reveal your weaknesses? And one of the reasons is, is it's hard to be with someone if you are always trying to be someone else. It's hard to be a friend a true virtuous friend, if you are unable to be vulnerable. Remember the phrase that I said right at the beginning is what is friendship but the giving and taking of wounds? And Jesus' words from the gospel is no greater love than this than a friend who lays down his life for another. Friendship is not a prize or a treasure to be found. It is a process of learning to be with one another. And interestingly enough, and I think that this is so appropriate for us right now, you know, as some of us, you know, are unable to do friendship like we like to normally, as Aristotle says, that friendship is about equality with another. They are equally coming to the table together. But what he also says is that that means you have to be able to be a friend to yourself as much as you might be a friend to another. And I've been thinking and praying a lot about that lately. What does it mean to be a friend to myself? And theologically, what does that look like within our Christian faith? And that's why this scripture stuck out to me so hard throughout this past week, where Jesus says, you did not choose me. I chose you and called you friend. I chose you, Jesus says, to be my friend. And I command you to be a friend to others. Part of my Christian story was a, a process of learning what friendship looks like. I spent a time of my early adolescence trying to be someone I thought I had to be. Be the, the cool guy, be good enough at hockey, be all the things that, you know, my social group told me I needed to do if I wanted to be, you know, part of the group. And it was when I found a Christian fellowship that I was able to free myself to be, not to be the, the person I thought I had to be, but to be me. 
And the message of God's love for me, even before I knew it, sunk deep within my heart and allowed me to live more fully because I was just able to be myself. Not trying to be someone I thought I had to be. And then I went off to college to Azusa Pacific University. And if you are a college student and have been in uh, youth ministry with me, this is one of my words of advice that I give to you. Is that I found myself at APU and I found myself trying to, you know, build up friends. I, I didn't really know anyone there. I had one friend from high school that was there. He was a grade older than me. And so I was trying to like, build my friend group. And it was a few weeks within to that time at Azusa Pacific that I started wondering to myself, why do I feel like I need to be someone in order for these people to like me? I don't think there was anything to do with them in particular. It was just something in that dynamic with me and them. I was insecure about myself, and so I thought I had to say the right words and, and be the right type of person be, for them to like me for whatever reason. And it was in that moment that I paused and I remembered what it felt like to be part of that Christian fellowship that I felt free to be me in. And so I said, maybe I'm not going to spend time with these people. Yeah, nothing was wrong with them, but it was wrong with me. And then I found just the most amazing Christian community that I ever would have imagined. And I had a small group of guys that I was able to just uh, live into my identity with. And, you know, the, the friends that we had, we still are friends to this day. And, and just the guys and girls that are there, just I was able to live more free but it wasn't because they were necessarily better. It was because I came to a point where I was going to say, I'm not going to worry about who I'm going to be. I'm just going to be me. With all my, you know, weaknesses and frailties, and I'm sure those friends can point out well more of my flaws than I like to own up to. But isn't that what a spousal relationship is like as well? It's not about finding the right person that's just perfect for you. It's about learning to love one another. And some of our greatest ways that we hurt our spouse or our friends, I imagine, stem from our own insecurities about ourselves. Our own unwillingness to own our flaws so we take them out on those closest to us. What is friendship, after all, but the giving and taking of wounds? Jesus calls you friend, not because of what you've inherited, or what you've earned, I should say. Not because of the things that you have done right in your life. Jesus calls you friend because that's God's love. It is overwhelming and it is reckless and it sends Jesus to be not for us and to fix our problems, but to be with us, to share our burdens and to share our wounds. And he does just that. What greater love than this, than a friend who lays down his life for another? 
Friends, as we look to spend time with those we might call true friends, I wonder, first, can we be a friend to ourselves so that we can provide a radical welcoming space for someone to be themselves? I say this over and over again. It is hard for us to offer grace to another if we're unable to offer grace to ourselves. Jesus offers you grace in abundance. Not in spite of your flaws, in them. They're not something to hide and to avoid, but something to own and to ask Christ to heal so that we might become wounded healers in this world. And so as we engage with friends, we don't do things for them, but we abide with them like Jesus did. We give them a space to know that they are loved, mistakes and all, because that's what Jesus does for us. And that's his command to us, is to be a friend, to love one another as I have loved you, he says. And so as we look to a sustained relationship, a sustained friendship, let it not be about all the things that you're going to do, because that's what Valentine's Day is going to tell you. You've got to get the chocolates, you've got to get the presents, you've got to do all of these things. And the same goes for our friendships. You've got to do, do, do for someone. Give them the gifts, celebrate their birthdays, you know, do all those things. When a friend is a friend willing to be with. My friends, it is impossible to do that if you can't be with yourself also. So later in our service, we're going to gather around the table. And it's an acknowledgement of Christ, of God's self-giving to us well before we were even born. A reminder that God's love is always for us. And God calls us friend. So as much as this pandemic has probably reminded you of all the ways you want to grow as a human or as a Christian or as a friend, rest and being called God's beloved friend. I think offer that space to your friend. To your partner. Maybe even to a stranger. We're going to sing a song. It's called, I Need You to Survive. 
It's a song that we need to sing to ourselves and a song we must sing to the other. A song of acknowledging that we need them. We need you. And that you are made in God's image. And that's what friendship is about, is allowing one another, both of us, to thrive in that image. Not because we're perfect. Because we unite together to share those wounds that we carry through thick and thin. And so the praise team is going to sing this song. And then I'm going to offer prayers for us and for the world. And they'll have a refrain in there about how we'll pray for you and pray for one another. So invite us to this time of both song and prayer together.